May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be ever acceptable to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. There was a famous actor that a lot of you probably remember, Gregory Peck. And one time he was standing in this line at a restaurant. It was really, really busy in Los Angeles. And he was there with a friend. And they waited for so long, it seemed like forever, and the tables weren't turning over very fast, and they were just kind of getting impatient. So his friend said, you know what, Gregory, why don't you tell them who you are? Tell the maitre d' at least. And Gregory Peck responded with great wisdom. No, he said, if you have to tell them who you are, then you aren't. That's a lesson that the Pharisee in our gospel today apparently had never learned. His prayer, if it can be called that, is largely an advertisement for himself. He's selling himself to God. Little wonder that Luke describes him in this way. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. (laughs) Pretty apt description, isn't it? He prayed with himself. He would have been better off if he would have had Gregory Peck standing there to whisper in his ear that if you have to remind God who you are, then you aren't. And then we have the tax collector. He didn't have to tell God who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew that God knew who he was. His prayer was not an exercise in self-promotion, but a confession and a plea for mercy. He's not selling himself, he's opening himself. And Jesus says, it is this man who went home justified. To be justified means to be declared not guilty. It means to be be declared right, in right place with God. The tax collector is declared to be in right relationship with God, while the Pharisee, who is so certain of his own righteousness, is shown to be in wrong relationship with God. We hasten to add, however, that this doesn't mean that the Pharisee was a bad person. And it doesn't mean that the tax collector was a good person. There is no suggestion of that in this parable at all. In fact, it seems that the tax collector confesses that his way of life is contrary to a life following God's ways. The tax collector seems to be living the same kind of despicable self-serving, dishonest life that those under Roman employment in the first century were living. Those hired by the Romans to collect the taxes, they gouged the poor and they sought their own wealth. They paid the empire a set amount for the privilege of gathering whatever they could squeeze out from those in the community. They collect the money by all kinds of unscrupulous and dishonest ways. The tax collectors were often foreigners, and they often would farm out their responsibilities to others, creating this perfect 
pyramid scheme. They were widely despised for their low character. They didn't care about others. The tax collector in our parable this morning seems to be living that same sin-filled life. The Pharisee, on the other hand, seems to be a good person. Pharisees were noted for their extraordinary piety. Pharisees were very careful to follow God's laws, even creating additional laws to ensure they wouldn't break God's laws. For example, to make sure that a good Jew did not break God's law of keeping that Sabbath, they would put poles around the city so that they would only walk within a Sabbath's walk a day so they wouldn't have any no one would question that they worked that day that they walked so much that they um that they had worked so they put these poles okay i can only go that far today and they built their houses within a sabbath day's walk of the temple or the synagogue so that they didn't break the sabbath law not to work they wouldn't even pick up a fire making tool so they wouldn't be tempted to work on the Sabbath. The, Pharisees in our, the Pharisee in our parable did not seem to steal, didn't seem to be coveting something that belonged to somebody else, didn't seem to be unjust in any way or commit adultery or any of the other commandments. By all accounts, the Pharisee's living a life much closer to God. But Jesus says... The tax collector went down to his home justified rather than the other. The tax collector recognizes that he is not living a godly life. The tax collector recognizes that his dishonesty and malicious ways towards others is wrong. The tax collector recognizes that he is totally dependent on God. The Pharisee, on the other hand, sees how he is living according to the letter of the law, how he has accepted God's, God's commandments, how he practices his faith as a stellar example for all those around him, For the Pharisee, it's all about him. What has he accomplished? How faithful he lives his life according to God's law. But he doesn't recognize his dependence on God. He doesn't recognize the grace and mercy of God in his life. This Pharisee is simply adding up the points of all the good ways that he is living. It reminds me of a story you may have heard of the man who went to the gates of heaven and was greeted by St. Peter. Now, Peter asked the man, okay, give me a brief history. What, what happened in your life? What good things did you do? Tell me why you are worthy to enter heaven. You'll need 1,000 points to be admitted. This will be a cinch, the man says to himself. I've been involved in church all my life. 
So then he begins to list all of his activities to Peter. He was an officer in the youth group. He served every possible position he could as a youngster, you know, acolyte. He did all those things. He was on the vestry. He was on the breakfast team. Then he was a helper at the chicken burn. And he was on every other community, every other committee that the church had to offer. His list was very extensive. Whew. Very impressive, Peter says. And the angel was standing beside him and just writing all this down on the clipboard, and he's smiling. Peter tells the man, you know, this is quite striking. We seldom see men of your good works. You'll be pleased to know that you have 327 points. Is there anything else you can think of? The poor guy, he breaks into a cold sweat, so he just begins to think of everything else, that he, any kind of kindness he ever did. He listed them as the angels writing down furiously. And finally, Peter looks at the clipboard and says, Wow, that it indeed is exceptional. You have a total of 402 points. Can you think of anything else? Wow, the guy was so distressed. He was trying to recall good deeds. Like the time he helped that lady across the street with her yard. He finally arrives at the grand total of 431 points and he cries out, I'm sunk. There's no hope for me. What more could I have done? Oh, Lord, all I can do is beg for mercy. That, Peter says, is 1,000 points. In our parable today, the Pharisee's racking up points, but still falls well short. The tax collector in Jesus' parable has not yet earned many points, but he finds hope in the mercy and grace of God. Listen to the prayer of this tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He recognizes he cannot earn the favor of God. None of us can. Even the most righteous among us. Like the tax collector, we must recognize that we are totally dependent on God. We are dependent on the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Our daily prayer, our regular time of conversation with God, it's a time to take inventory of what we're doing. What are we doing that pleases God? What are we doing to further the kingdom of God? How are we loving one another? especially our enemies? In what ways have we fallen short? How do we need to make amends? Who have we failed to love and care for? Benjamin Franklin was 27 years old when he decided he needed to take an inventory. He selected 12 virtues that he wanted to acquire, and he kept a daily chart of his progress on the development of each one. And whenever he missed the mark, he would put a black dot by that virtue on his chart. His goal was to ultimately have no dots on that chart. 
And this method did contribute to Franklin's success as an inventor, a publisher, a statesman. We all need to take inventory of our Christ-centered life, realizing what is of God and what is not. But in the end, we must recognize that we are totally dependent on God. Without God's mercy and grace, none of us would earn a place in heaven. But God doesn't ask us to earn anything. God asks us to come before him saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what? Every Sunday we have an opportunity to do just that all together. Part of our Holy Eucharist is the confession of sin. The confession begins, most merciful God. We recognize our independence, our, our, our dependence on God, not our independence on ourselves. And then we confess that we have fallen short and we want to return back to God. Repent means to turn away from our old sin and turn towards God. And then we call on God's mercy and forgiveness in the confession. Just reading these words to get through the service, to get to Holy Communion, doesn't do it. We've got to really think through it. We need to come to God in humility and recognition of our need for God. Father Donovan has been talking about humility in our formation time together. We can put Benedict's ladder of humility into practice every time we say the corporate confession. When we say that, the part of the confession says, we have not loved you with our whole heart, We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. And God says, 1,000 points.